everybody, and welcome to another episode of Another Film Podcast. My name is Tierney. My name is Colin. My name is Matthew. Uh, and <laughs> I'm sorry up front about the sound of my voice. But today we are talking about <laughs> Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah, right off to the races. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's not waste any time talking about Tierney's <laughs> yeah. voice. Let's just get right to the heart of the issue. <laughs> what number Wes Anderson is this that we've done? I think just two. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It does feel like we should have done more, but no. I'm shocked. No, this is three. We've done so much Paul Thomas. This is three, because we, we did what else did we Royal Tenenbaums Bombs early. Oh, and Bottle and Rocket. And then dogs. we did Bottle Rocket. I love dogs. I love dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I do think... Uh, Bottle Rocket, I forgot about that. It is funny that every single Wes Anderson film, including Bottle Rocket, was a Criterion release until Isle of Dogs. And they were like, we gotta cut it off <laughs> they were somewhere. like, oh, yeah. It's like, we had a good thing going, my guy, but you uh, you really screwed the pooch on that one. Literally. Pun, this isn't no quite our Yeah, it's like pun partially intended. <laughs> um... Yeah, this is Moonrise Kingdom, which, uh, 2010... 12. 12? 12. 12? 12? Yeah. Lies. I mean, no. I don't, I don't, I don't believe you. Yes. Yeah, like, I don't know what to tell you. It's, it was. <laughs> wow. Um, Tierney. Yes. Tierney, this was your Why'd pick. You, uh, it sure was. Why pick this movie? There was some controversy around the pick, so let's, let's really... There was. So... There was. Uh, I originally had Fantastic Mr. Fox on here. And then I was wow. watching Fantastic Mr. Fox, and I was like, well, uh, a lot of the songs on there, I actually, they're not ones. That I remembered while watching the movie that there's a number of songs that I skip on the Fantastic Mr. Fox soundtrack. Mm. It was mostly just um, Beach Boys, uh, Bob, Bobby Fuller Dance, Le- Letter well, Dance, Bobby, Bobby Fuller. Letter Dance, yeah. I think it's Bobby Fuller Band, maybe. Um, anyway. And then, like, the Boggus Buns and Beans song. And so I was like, oh, okay, so I definitely thought that there were more and there aren't. Uh, and so then I was like, well, I guess I could stick with Moonrise Kingdom. Or, sorry, with Wes Anderson. And so I was like, Moonrise Kingdom was another one that I would listen to. But then I was listening to it, and I was like, a lot of what I listened to is the full soundtrack with uh, Alexandre wow. Plat, however you say mm-hmm. it. Um but I do like Benjamin Britten, and I do like that they use A Young Person's Guide to the Orchestra, and uh, Leonard Bernstein's in there as well, doing the Carnival of Animals, which is like a soothing uh, piece of music for me, um, that and uh, Peter and the Wolf. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was like, all right, I'll stick with this. Plus, Matt had already watched it, so... <laughs> Uh, yeah. So yeah, I stuck. Because you already changed it once. I know. By the time I watch it, I know. I watch it late. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I also, I was like about to get on a plane, and I was like, "Oh, I downloaded Fantastic Mr. Fox for this plane," and you were like, "Oh no, we're switching it." And I was like, <laughs> "Okay." <laughs> Look, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not mad. Look, I like spoiler alert. I fucking love this movie, so like, I'm never mad about watching <laughs> yeah. Moonrise Kingdom. And I watched so. it, so I'm not mad. I'm glad that I watched it. You yeah. did it. But I'm just saying I won't be blamed for keeping us <laughs> stuck on this one. It's okay. <laughs> um, it took forever to watch it, too. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I think the first time... I don't even remember the first time I saw this movie, if I'm honest. Uh, 
this was like maybe only my third time watching it. I actually haven't seen this movie that much, but it's definitely more grounded in reality, I feel like, than a lot of his other movies, which makes it more interesting um, nowadays. But I think I'm just getting tired of the, like, uh, Wes Anderson dialogue. I think I just don't really care for it much anymore. It doesn't really get me going anymore. Yeah, Yeah, I feel like that's a running theme uh, in our Wes Anderson pods. (laughs) I know. Specifically, (laughs) you've just been like, like, that was one of our first, like, uniting principles was that we all loved Wes Anderson. (laughs) And I feel like Tierney's really just been like, do I, though? (laughs) Over the last few years. So Um, So that's been fun to experience in real time. (laughs) This one was also fun just because it's like, I like the setting a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, weather related. Yeah, a lot of that. Girl loves weather. Exactly. Um, There's There's a lot of nautical shit. A sequence Mm -hmm. of a boat with a sail on it. Yeah, with a motor on the back. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But the like charts and everything is kind of fun. Um, but just like the, I'm, I always pictured as like, uh, Nova Scotia, like North, mm-hmm. uh, East, like Canada or Maine. I don't know where it's actually supposed to take place. Um, it's just like generally New England, I think is like, oh, so for the, like, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like it's still in that same, like, I think Maine is still considered New England though. Is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I think um, New England is everything that's like, like Connecticut. Uh, and then all the way the original, up. The original states. Well, the Virginia origins. is also... Yeah, Virginia's not, Matt. She ain't in it. <laughs> um, she ain't in it. But just that, like, coastal... Um, yeah. ...vibe I'm a fan of. Um, but uh, I definitely felt like it had more heart than than uh, a lot of his other pictures. Um, a lot of his other pictures. Who am I? Um, when have I ever referred to movies as pictures? (laughs) But yeah, there were also, speaking of, there were a lot of things, uh, in this movie that I was like, I guarantee Matt and Colin have never played Jax or Parcheesi. And I was like, oh. I played Parcheesi. I saw the board and I was like, is that, is that Parcheesi? And then the box is right next to it. I was like, holy fuck, I haven't thought about this game in so long. <laughs> um, so that stuff was fun. Um, but yeah. Also, do you ever think about the fact that all the kids are just boomers? Mm. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that really took the wind out of Colin's sails. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bless you guys you. go. Um, uh, Colin, you have a great affinity for it, so you should go. Yeah. Uh, so this movie came out um, the summer I moved to Chicago, but it came out before I moved to Chicago. Um, and I had loved Wes Anderson for a while. Um, my father fucking hates Wes Anderson. My sister is mostly <laughs> indifferent, but my mom actually likes Wes Anderson as well. So I remember um, she and I went to this. Um, so we saw it in theaters together and I just like, uh, I loved it immediately. Um, I still think Royal Tenenbaums will always be my favorite Wes Anderson, but Every time I watch Moonrise, I'm like, oh, this is a very, very close second. Um, I just, I just, I love it so much. I think 
I might like it more than Royal Tenenbaums. I mean, I wouldn't be... both psychotic. (laughs) Well, Matt, you have to think about the fact that it has the elements of Royal Tenenbaums that I like, but in a Mm -hmm. setting that I prefer over New York City. Also, is a love story as opposed to, like, a devolution story. Sure. Okay, fine. Yeah, (laughs) I'll accept it. Um... I'll allow it, <laughs> counselor. <laughs> but I think, like, to Tierney's point, I do feel like, uh, especially more recently, um, a lot of Wes Anderson's, like, later output has been, like, very fanciful. Um, and I think, twee? like... Would you say twee? I wouldn't, Contrived. but I think... People, mm. people would. <laughs> I don't think some might. Some might, and I don't necessarily think that I could disagree with them. Um, but I, I do agree that this one is like of the late period Wes Anderson output. It is one of the more realistic and one of the more grounded ones, and so I think that's another yes. thing that um, I I really gravitate towards. Also, like almost all of his movies are coming of age stories in some at- regards. Um, and we all know how I feel about coming-of-age stories, but it's fun that this one is specifically about the age group that you typically associate with a coming-of-age story, whereas, like, most of his movies are about, like, adults who are in some sort of arrested development, so it's like they are still, like, doing the coming-of-age thing, but they are well past the stage when you would have expected them to do it. So, So I do think it's fun that this one's, like, actually about younger kids um, who are kind of, like, figuring their shit out, so... Um, yeah, I just, I love this movie so much. It makes me so happy. Um, I love Sam and Susie. Um, I have two arts. I have two different Moonrise Kingdom arts hanging up on my walls in my apartment. Just, just a magical. You have the map of? Yeah, so you, thank you to you. That was a either birthday or Christmas gift (laughs) from you. I forgot which I got you. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's a map of New Penzance Island. And then I have the... I believe that's what, called we... nautical chart. Okay. <laughs> Is it a nautical chart? With the soundings? Like the depth of the of the ocean? I'll take a picture of it and we could add it to the, the page uh, <laughs> on the website and, and Tierney can confirm or deny whether or not it is a nautical chart, but um but yeah, I, I really love this movie. I'm excited to talk about it. I mean and I I like Fantastic Mr. Fox a lot as well. But when Tierney said she wanted to do Moonrise, I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> all right. It's my turn. Um, I have only seen this, I think, maybe once all the way through. Maybe twice. Uh, so it is one of my more underseen Wes Andersons. Uh, and I originally read the script for Moonrise Kingdom in 2010 uh, when it was just a script. And I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. Um, So, like, it's basically exactly what the script was. There's almost no differences between what was written and what was filmed. So that was really fun to, like, end up seeing it in theaters and be like, yeah, this is exactly what was described. And that was kind of fun. I remember being kind of tepid on it on the whole. It was kind of like, sure, all right, that was very cute. But uh, I don't think it it had as many emotional swells like... uh, that I felt with like Royal Tenenbaums or even Life Aquatic, which I know that you do not care for the Life Aquatic. 
I think that's extreme. I think it's one of my least favorites of his, but I do sure. like I I still enjoy it. But it like if I were ranking his movies, it would be towards my personal like the bottom of my list. But yeah, but like so I I think then also uh, Budapest was right after this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that one I was like, oh yes, okay, this is what I prefer. And it's funny because I kind of think of like. Moonrise as the color yellow and Budapest as the color pink. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of this like complimentary, like canary, like pastel pair of movies that are both about coming of age too in very different parts of the world and in very different kinds of adventures that they have to go on. Um, and I think Budapest usually lands a little better with me, but Moonrise is very cute. Uh, and rewatching it this time, I did appreciate a lot of the uh, the love story and. I actually liked the dialogue quite a bit. Um, I think I wrote down some notes of just, like, lines that I thought were, like, there's something about this line that, like, sounds good or that, like, sits well. And I think there's, like, a few moments of that in... It's definitely uh, better in this than in some of his other ones. Like, it's more realistic, I feel like. Some of his other what? Pictures. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um... I'll save one for later, but I know, like, the most famous, I feel like the most famous line from this movie is, but what kind of bird are Are you? you? (laughs) And there's something about that as, like, this, like, I don't know. It feels like Wes Anderson did, did something with that line to make it kind of, like, feel important or feel like this great evocative, uh, love statement because it's basically saying like i don't care about anyone else here (laughs) i want to know more about you and what that does to the person receiving that to be like oh of everybody this stranger that's entered our dressing room is interested in me like is wants to know more about what kind of bird i am and like having that be the spark that kind of lights this like great romantic flame I think is very fun, and I think he like does that very well in this. So, that's kind of jumping ahead to a moment, but on the whole, I enjoyed this rewatch. Um, I still don't know if I would rank this very high mm. in my Wes Anderson rankings. Um, maybe we can go through that at the end. It was like talk about the actual ranking with this again, but I still think you know I could like I could probably name four or five that I still prefer over Moonrise, even though Moonrise is very cute. Um, would your top five just be Bottle Rocket five times in a yeah. row? Yeah, and then I Love Dogs. <laughs> um, no, I think I would probably do, like, Budapest, Tenenbaums, Zissou. Um, Fantastic Mr. I Fox. Say, I feel like you would probably do Fox over this. And... <clears throat> I have to rewatch Rushmore, but I feel like I appreciate a lot of Rushmore no matter how often I've seen it on the whole. Um, but yeah, this one is, is very cute, and there's a lot of moments that I do like. I feel like the middle lags, so we maybe talk about that as we go on. I feel like it kind of like loses focus for well a little bit. I have thoughts on the middle, so we can talk about that now if you want. <laughs> Let's do it. Like a s'more with a gooey middle. So, uh... Tis is Moonrise Kingdom. Let me look at my notes. Okay, so this is probably my biggest gripe with this movie. And I feel like not enough people talk about this enough. And maybe I am, 
maybe like I'm making a mountain out of a molehill, but I feel like it's this movie works very well as an innocent schoolboy crush uh, that they want to run off and get married. I think that they need to be at least two years older to have the like um, I don't know, like the feeling up sort of thing, and then like mm -hmm. talking about his boner. They're sure. twelve, like. Most boys are just hitting puberty at 12. And also, the kid is, like, tiny. So he clearly hasn't even hit it yet. Um, like, 12 is sixth grade. And so that's where I'm like, I feel like if he wanted to include that, he should have made them eighth graders. Uh, mm -hmm. But also, I think the script works better without it, personally. And maybe I'm, like, I don't know, <clears throat> making a mountain out of a molehill. But I just feel like it's kind of weird also as an audience member to be like you guys are children <laughs> um but maybe that's just me i, I think i do think that's like a concern that people have had with this movie in general oh really i think it's certainly I, I i mean i feel like nobody has disregarded like i've never heard it in the before. same in the same way that i feel like licorice pizza got a lot of like mm -hmm discussion around like well what's actually going on with this relationship and like is this okay to depict or to like yeah promote as this like romance and i think around moonrise kingdom especially that scene is something that as the audience you i think have to feel uncomfortable with but i think it's also handled in a very like i don't, I don't know i guess honest but like very like authentically awkward way yeah. that mm -hmm. they're not very like knowledgeable about it but i think it is weird and i think it like, is the implication that like the parents find them pretty much naked wrapped around each other <laughs> is like i mean that's why bill murray is like i'm gonna kill this kid like it has to be kind of this like what like they ran away and then you know god only knows what our imaginations will run away with their what they did I mean, they and them dancing in their underwear is a little like, yeah. But like, keep intimate it for children. But keep it with the dancing in the underwear. They can make out, but like, I feel like taking it a step further, like they could easily have been, like snuggling in the tent with clothes on, and it wouldn't have been as weird, or even without the other stuff. I just feel like it's like a little bit uncomfy. And I know he dedicated this to his wife, and it's kind of like, what? <laughs> every time i see it at the end over like the moonrise kingdom like cove i'm always just like what i think and but i i think what you're saying is not illegitimate i think that is a, certainly an aspect that like an eighth grader as a story element is a smarter move than like a 12 year old who like but i think part of it too is like you know how much of the movie is also buying into the idea of like they don't know what they're doing mm -hmm. right which is like, like this puppy is a love. stupid plan right and i think even if they are gonna like hug each other yeah i think nakedness is a weird element that like how much skin they are exposing to each other as part of their like you know flirtation that seems a little strange for 12 mm -hmm. also like but the, again those actors know. had to like probably be on set with their parents and then like can you imagine basically having to kiss someone else in your underwear in front of your parents 
even if it was for a movie <laughs> at 12. Well, here's I was what I'll say. say does though. it make you feel better if they were 14, if the actors were 14? Yes, the story is no. still that they are 12-year-olds, but... <laughs> here's the thing, though. Is that also a statement on the era, on when this is taking place, where, like, sex education is a thing now, and kind of this, like, understanding that there's, like, a certain amount of, like, you know, education that children need to make responsible decisions or, like, know what is and isn't kind of okay at a certain age versus the 1950s? 60s. 65. 60s. 65. When it's, like, a little more, like... We, like don't don't ask about it. We're not going to tell you about that yet. And especially with somebody like her who's reading a lot of fantasy books, how much of like romance and like, um, kind of like, yeah, great sweeping. You know, I don't know. The sexuality of it is weird. Mm-hmm. I it will agree weird. with that. Mm-hmm. I think part of it is like, <clears throat> is that the point of why we don't necessarily want them to succeed in what they're doing or do we um does the movie kind of put us on their side instead of the parents kind of it does i mean that's what the script is doing and that's where i'm like right and that's where i just feel like that whole uh you could probably cut out at least five minutes of that whole uh camp out scene uh i mean yeah I, i will die on this hill yeah, clearly. You're allowed to. <laughs> I think also if they cut that one scene, that one moment, yeah, would be it wouldn't like you're saying it wouldn't really change anything. And even if the parents found them kind of wrapped around each other, we know as much as the parents know, uh, or like we know more than the parents. Where like they just hugged and laid down, right? Mm-hmm. So like even if that was never, if that moment of like, oh, it feels hard, and like, oh, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Like, it wasn't in there at all. Nothing changes. We right. would still be like, oh, yeah, they were probably just hugging. Like, yeah. dancing in your underwear together? Like, I feel like that's, you could leave that in. Yeah, you're free. You're, like, you're, you're looking at each other. I think it, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a fair criticism. It doesn't really bother me. Um, Because I, I think, for me, that moment is is... Like, it, it plays... I I agree with you that it is weird. But, like, it's these two kids who are just kind of, like, figuring it out together. And I thought, like, I think it's, like, really sweet. And, and like, you, I think, Matt, you said, like, something about it being, like, realistically awkward or something. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think, like, all of that, like, works so well for me. And the other thing, too, is, like, these kids are very clearly, in their own different but somewhat similar ways, are, like, very... Um, I mean, shelter's not quite the word I'm looking for, but they're both just, like, like, Sam has, like, he's an orphan, he's, like, ostracized, like, he doesn't really have any friends. Um, Susie clearly is, like, the the black sheep of her family. I mean, she has that, like, she found that mm-hmm. book that her parents apparently had that was just, like, dealing yeah. with a troubled child. So, like, I, it seems realistic to me that these two people would find each other. Yeah. And then through, like, a year's worth of, of exchanging letters and stuff, like, that... That they would want to like that to your, like clearly they know each other. I, I mean, know each other as well as any young kids could. But like, I to me, it's like they clearly spent the last year being the only two people that could talk to each other. Like, I don't think that they were really interacting with other people 
outside of what they absolutely had to. Like, I can't imagine either of them was like having in-depth conversations about their lives, their wants, their desires, their needs to anyone else. And so to, to me, by the time they get together and, and are actually like doing this thing, it felt very like sweet and, and it didn't, it didn't bother me. Again, I agree with what you're saying, but it just, it didn't affect me. That's so. fair. Is it, is it 10 months? They, yeah, they meet, uh, I think it's almost a year because they meet in the summer, like the summer before the story takes place. Mm. And so then they were just exchanging, they, like they were just sending letters back and forth for almost a year. The Dear Susie, Dear Sam. Yeah. Yeah, uh, like montage is excellent. It's so, it's so good. fun. I also... and it's, it's it feels like the beginning of Royal Tenenbaums. Where you're getting kind of like character through circumstance and seeing how they engage in their life and like how they engage with the world in these very quick snapshots. Almost like the Rushmore sequence of like showing all the clubs he's in. <laughs> but in this one it's like showing how ostracized they each are from their families and friends mm-hmm. and and it's, like, so quick and clippy of, like, Dear Sam, when? Dear Susie, well, I, where? I like how like, it, it gets there, right? So, like, the, at yeah. first it starts with you're getting a little bit more, like, it's Dear Sam, here's a little bit. Dear Susie, yeah. here's a little bit. But then it gets to the point where they, like, clearly are, are so well in touch with one another that they, like, literally can just say yes or no or where or when, you know, like, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And, like, I think the way that that's all edited together to make it like at the beginning of their relationship, they spend a little bit more time and now they're just like, no, we're like, we're on the same page here. We can just get right to it. Um, I I really love that sequence. And it's starting it into right when they meet again, Mm -hmm. that like, as soon as they get to the point, now we get the context of what has brought them there. I thought it was a very fun Wes Anderson-y cutaway montage. Mm -hmm. Um, Somewhat related. uh, When they meet, in that like field like it's it's wes anderson so like of course every shot is like framed perfectly etc etc but like just that shot of them on like it's just a wide shot and they're both on opposite ends of that field and there's just that windmill right in between them like at the exact middle point it's just like such a like a beautiful shot (laughs) i was like god damn you wes anderson (laughs) (laughs) yeah beautiful symmetry yeah um, also related, when she starts talking about her book taste, I thought that was very funny. <laughs> She's like, I like stories about, like, uh, planets or kingdoms or, like, <laughs> magical realms. It was very funny. I also like the, the running bit where, uh, she's just reading to him, slash, and, mm-hmm. like, later he, she's reading to, like, the entire group of khaki scouts. Like, very, like, Wendy and the Lost Boys uh-huh um, but <laughs> both times it happens she like pauses and looks over and he's just smoking a pipe and he's like i'm still here continue <laughs> and then the second time when it's in front of the whole group they're all like yes please continue please go on <laughs> like, can any of these kids actually read except for her <laughs> like yeah. i'm not convinced <laughs> um <clears throat> Yeah, I guess let's just dive in to whatever else we want to talk about, right? Yeah. Their relationship is, you know, it's great. The, <laughs> I think the, the other thing about, like, 
uh, both of them do kind of something offensive to the other person or something like naive and inconsiderate mm-hmm. that the other person kind of has to check in with themselves to be like, do I want to be here? And then they stick with each other. And the first example is her, I don't remember exactly what she says, but he snickers and she's like, don't laugh. And then just starts packing her shit to be like, nope, never mind. I don't want to do this anymore. And he apologizes and she like accepts it. And then later when she's like, I wish I was an orphan. Oh. And he's like, I'm sorry, but I love you, but you don't know what you're talking about. And it's something that's like very like, how could you think that <laughs> that I have it better off than you? And both of them like stay with each other despite that. Mm-hmm. And I think in some of these like romance stories that we've done, we've been like, do they, you know, are they sticking a ground together after the credits roll? And we've been kind of like, no, or like maybe like Dirty Dancing. It's like absolutely nah, not. <laughs> nah. They had a great summer, and that's all that they get. Um, but with Susie and Sam, I think it. I think they might. I I don't know. I kind of have hope that they actually do stick with each other, and I think the fact that they get to stay in each other's lives. Spoiler alert! At the end, suggests that like they'll have a continued relationship, even if it's him sneaking in, and like her having to you know do what she can to see him. I think there's, like, a very tight bond there. And, like, getting fake married is, like... <laughs> the whole Jason Schwartzman stuff is truly yeah. incredible. <laughs> yeah. And maybe it's just the fact that all of Wes Anderson's children characters are written like adults. But I think there's, like, a bond there that's, like, hard to... They like do a lot of very mature relationship things, like forgiving each other or planning all this or like understanding and almost dying Mm -hmm. for their love of each other um that like maybe it's innocent kid nonsense but maybe there's a bond there that'll stick around for a number of years yeah i do like that um it's i think it's really sweet that uh the scene between bruce willis and sam when they're like they're at bruce willis's trailer (laughs) Um, mm-hmm. I think is, is like a really sweet scene. Um, and then t- at the end of the movie, you see that like, oh, Bruce Willis is definitely enabling this relationship in a way that like he probably shouldn't. But, um, like when Sam jumps out the window and he's just like, oh, okay, I'm just going to go run and get in, get in my like foster dad's car. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I do. I, it, I mean, I, I think it's hard to say, you know, with uh, with Dirty Dancing, it was just like so obvious that, you know, this would never work. But I do think that like right. if you put if you think like, OK, they're on this remote island. It's the 60s. Like they probably aren't going to be meeting many more people. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I think they could maybe make it work. <laughs> And the 60s were, like, at 18, they might be like, all right, time to get married. Yeah, like, like, we're, like here we are. Like, time to get real married. We, we, exactly. <laughs> and, like, we're going to move away. We're going to go have an adventure together and leave this island. But, like, I, it's not unheard of for people just out of high school to get married. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so. I think even back then it was, like, more common that you would marry somebody that you either knew um, growing up or was, like close to you distance wise right, right. like right like you like physical you, distance yeah like um like There's you a joke would meet... that's like what are the odds of meeting your soulmate 
within a 15 square radius of where you live. When people are like, they're my, why are you both just staring at me? Well, I, is it was a that joke? the setup for the joke? For, I'm waiting for a punchline. Yeah, when people are like, oh, I met my soulmate, and then the, the it's just like, what's the, what are the odds that you meet your soulmate within a 15 square, radi- square mile radius of where you live? Oh, saying like, like, oh, sure, it's your oh. soulmate. It's just the closest person to you. I see. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. I was, I was like, <laughs> waiting for a punchline, so I was like, okay, go on. <laughs> what are the odds, Tierney? Tell me. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I thought Bruce Willis does some really fun stuff in this. We don't often get to see him play yeah. like, softer roles. And he's very sweet in this. Uh and endearing. I had a similar note. Um, I feel like, and I like I. There, I'm sure there's something I'm not thinking of. But like I, this is early, like Ed Norton being weird. Like I feel like Ed yeah, Norton he went was from, like American History X. Yeah, to like Kingdom. F- like uh, yeah, Fight Club and American History X. Yeah. Like it just felt like he was like a serious, a- like quote unquote serious actor. Twenty fifth hour. Yeah. Although I guess right now, Death to Smoochie, he's pretty weird in that, if I remember correctly. I've only seen it once, but... Yeah. He's always been a character actor, because... For he sure. Played, he was, like, celebrated in Primal Fear when he was, like, pretty young. Well, like, you know, late teens, early 20s, I think. But, like, this was certainly when he was doing a little less serious stuff, mm-hmm. like what you're saying. Like, Death to Smoochie even is, like, a kind of dark... Sure. ...film. And, like, you know, artsy but dark. And this is very cutesy. And, like, even Glass Onion is, like, pretty all audiences. So, like, he every, did... And, I mean, Hulk. <laughs> every Wes Anderson movie he's in, he's, like, uh, like a bit character. Yeah. Yeah. What is he in uh, French Dispatch? I don't know, oh, a big character. Remember. They're all big characters. Yeah, I was Except say. for Benicio <laughs> Del Toro, who should have had that whole movie and didn't. <laughs> Sorry, Benicio. I mispronounced his name. Benicio. Um, uh, okay, what else do I, I, did, I have? I did write this? down one line that goes along with the, the Edward Norton being like a just a goofy, silly character in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's when uh, Harvey Keitel is berating him for losing his entire troop. <laughs> And he's like, where's your goddamn troop, you son of a bitch? And Edward Norton's <laughs> like, you don't have them? <laughs> <laughs> like, he's just so helpless. And he's like, I thought I finally found them. And then I didn't. Like, <laughs> He tries his best. I like that he's They're a math hard teacher. <clears throat> no, you know what? I'm going to change my answer. I'm a, a, a scout counselor first. A scout a master? Second. Scout master. Um... Another line I loved was, uh, and this is another one that felt very Wes Anderson-y, where it's like, you know, it feels very, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, feels very important, but is ultimately like, I don't know what this means. Uh, It was when they were like, was he a good dog? And he's like, who's to say? But he didn't deserve to die. It feels very, (laughs) like, you know heady and sophisticated when it's like, I don't know, this is just about this poor dog that gets killed. Which also, also continues just to yeah. fucking out of control. Yeah, Wes Anderson hates dogs. I did Or that. just knows how much people love dogs and is just like, 
brutale with them. But then in Grand Budapest, he throws the cat out the window. <laughs> did uh, he just throw my cat out the window? Yeah. Oh, did he? Oh, no, I don't know. Oh, did he? Oh, my, oh, I don't know. I mean, one of my, my favorite parts of that movie, because yeah. I was like, finally. <laughs> it's like, it's like you've spent so many movies being terrible to dogs. Finally, you're going to be a dick to a cat. <laughs> <laughs> um... <clears throat> Oh, what is the... Oh, I love the... <laughs> I love when she's in the car on the way back after they get caught. Mm. and Or the boat, whatever it is. And she's talking to Bill Murray and he's like, you will never see him again. That was the last time you'll see him, you understand? And she's like, you better watch yourself. <laughs> she, like, th- threatens him. It's like, oh, this character is so fun. She's like, she is not willing to back down on this. It's just like directly threatening her own father what is she because he says is that a threat and then she said it's a warning yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's so good and i think like i forget how intense she is Mm -hmm. uh in this movie because like sam is certainly like kind of a bad boy and like you know a troublemaker and an orphan but she's so brassy too and so like will not take shit and mm-hmm. is basically charging ahead whenever she wants to and escaping and making whatever she wants to do happen that like she's so cool and in that moment too it's like oh yeah she's pissed and she's like gonna tell her dad even though they're, both of her parents are right there and she just got like arrested or <laughs> what yeah <Not> arrested. <laughs> um i feel like i love that line Bill Murray plays the same character in this that he plays in Rushmore. Like, I feel like he just yeah. keeps playing sad dads. Cucks. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Murray always plays a cuck in a Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> Even in Budapest. When he's just a hotel manager. I was like, is he in Budapest? Is he? No. Okay. <laughs> like, but no, Rushmore, Rushmore, it's all about him feeling, <clears throat> you know, cheated on. Well, I guess he's the cheater. Who is he cucked Never mind. in Zizu? No one, I guess. He's not a cuck. I, re- I recant. <laughs> he's just a sad dad. Bill Murray is not a cuck. He is just a, he is a sad dad. Um, But also, you know, why, isn't, why is Francis McDormand cheating? Maybe it's because he's going out to... Because he's emotionally unavailable. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's chopping wood outside. <laughs> that scene. Was, I got the like, sense that she and Bruce Willis's character uh, were in love when they were younger. Oh, when interesting. Sam asks him, "Did you ever love someone?" Oh. And he says, uh, "Yeah, but or some, but like it didn't work out." I got the sense that they were like former flames who just now go and smoke together well yeah because he so both of her parents are lawyers right uh mm-hmm. counselor counselor i don't know about that counselor <laughs> um and like there are several lines that uh refer to bruce willis's character not being the most intelligent character yeah so i do like i right. i didn't necessarily read it that way but i i like where you're coming from because i th- i think you could mm. see a world in which like they both grew up on this island and maybe were, like, a thing when they were growing up, but then when she went to go to school, like, that's where she met the Bruce Willis, or, um, the 
Bill Murray character. Uh-huh. And, like, at the time, she felt more challenged by him, like, on an intellectual level. But then it got to this point where they are now, where they just, like, don't actually have any sort of emotional relationship. So she goes back to interesting. Roy. Well, that's a nice... I like that. Yeah, I do like that, too. Also, that's Head kind down. of my thought of what would probably happen to Susie and Sam. Right. Seems unless, fair. Unless they supported it. Unless Bruce Willis clearly supports it. He's like, it's not, I'm not going to let what happened to me happen to you, kid. Mm-hmm. This what? one's for the long haul. And gives him an engagement ring to give to Susie. And he's like, this is for when you get old enough. <laughs> and he goes, I'm old enough now. That's a sequel. <laughs> Moonrise Kingdoms. I didn't get the sense that Francis McDormand and Bruce Willis didn't work out because they weren't allowed to. I got the sense that it was just that they grew apart. Mm-hmm. And that's true. But also maybe class. Her. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's where I feel like I wouldn't be surprised if the same thing happened to them. And that's when you guys were talking about whether they'd stay together. I was like, not in the way that you think they will. <laughs> sure mm. Mm. it's all a cycle mm. Mm. Uh, but uh, maybe maybe these little uh, these little fuckers will break the cycle maybe maybe they will these, these fuckers um <laughs> to any of these also you know who's fuckers. another who's another little fucker <laughs> who's another little fucker lucas hedges yeah. lukey <laughs> little bb lucas hedges i forgot lucas he has hedges. red hair so red yeah, yeah. I, it's so red in this. But, like, naturally. Yeah, I hadn't watched this movie in a few years. Um, but I just, like, I think I, this was, like, maybe a year or two ago. I was just, like, channel surfing when I was over at my sister's house. And Moonrise Kingdom was on one of, like, the various movie channels that they get. And so I was like, oh, yeah, I'll pop in and just, like, check this out for a little bit. And I, I think I texted Matt. And I was like, Lucas Hedges is in Moonrise Kingdom? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Sure is. <laughs> Uh, doing a great job as the gets lead stabbed in the back game. with uh, lefty scissors. Sure the continuous, up for everyone. the continuous, uh, like the commitment to referring to those scissors exclusively as lefty scissors is so yeah. funny. <laughs> I, think I also like when. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say I think he's no. also in the Impossible, which was the first movie I ever saw Tom Holland in. But I think he's oh. one of the boys in that. Maybe. Oh, Let interesting. Me, I'm looking it up. No, he's not. Uh, that was just false information. But Tom Holland is the 12-year-old. I was gonna say, I do remember Tom Holland being in The Impossible and thinking, like, who this kid seems interesting. Yeah. He's really he's good. Spider-Man. He's really good. That movie's a tough hang. Sure is. <laughs> <laughs> I had to stop um, it 15 minutes in and just take a lap around. Yeah, I, I uh, like needed I saw- to breathe. I saw that movie in theaters and did not have the option to, to take a pause and oh take a lap. It was rough stuff. <laughs> um, but going back to getting stabbed uh, in the back with lefty scissors, the scene, the fi- the confrontation between Sam and uh, Lucas Hedges is really cute and really fun. And I like when he's like, why don't you like me? And he's like, because your girlfriend stabbed me in the back with lefty scissors. She's my wife now. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> But he's like, before, why, like, why didn't you like me? (laughs) And I like when they, like, when he charges at him and he fights him, he, like, Sam is clearly the smaller one. 
and so he like does not have like he is not at any sort of advantage but the camera very clearly shows sam repeatedly punching him in the, the stab wound yeah. <laughs> I was so like, smart. yeah sam you fight dirty <laughs> he's a little scrapper <laughs> yeah our boy our boy punches the weak spot um yeah lucas hedges is a great villain in this Mm-hmm. And has rarely been a villain since. I guess he's kind of a jerk in the mid '90s, but I haven't seen the mid '90s. The mid '90s. The mid '90s. I feel like some of the and other boys think... have gone on to do stuff too. I was gonna look that some up, and then I just movie. totally forgot. I think one of them might be one of the kids in Super Eight, but I couldn't really place him. The one with the with uh, the blonde hair in Super Eight. Oh, maybe. Neither of the kids have gone on to do anything. Uh, they Jared were... Gilman, very active Twitter account, very funny. I think he's doing stuff like behind the scenes now. Like I think he's yeah. like trying to write and or direct. I don't know mm-hmm. if he's, but uh, both of them uh, were in Patterson, which is a movie that I really wanted to see and have never gotten around mm-hmm. to. But they're, I think, if I remember correctly, that they are like. They're both playing a couple in Patterson. Like really? I think it's a very, I think they're very small roles, and I could be wrong because again, I've never seen this movie, but um, I think I remember seeing that they're both in it, and that I think that they're together, not necessarily as Sam and Susie, but also maybe our head canon is that they're Sam and Susie. <laughs> I like that. Oh, one of the guys they, was in a time rift. Sorry. No, you're fine. <clears throat> one of the kids was in uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Um, Susie or Sam? No, Otto. Oh, or the other or kids? His name's Skotak, and he plays Otto in Grand Budapest Hotel. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, I think he's one of, uh. like, the pages or whatever the fuck they're called in that movie. Sure, sure, sure. The Society of Golden Key, the Cross Keys? No, like the uh, page. Oh, Lobby the boy. Lobby boys. Um... I also found the moment uh, where Sam... So this is after we know that the Foster family is like, you know what, we're not going to... We can't have him back. Oh, yeah. He's too, he's too much trouble. When Sam is talking to Susie, yeah. he's like, That's... yeah, I really like my Foster family. I think we're finally starting yeah. to bond. It's like nothing like, like your family, but kid. but close. And you're like, oof. Ugh, heartbreaking. <laughs> Also, and then for that to be revealed on the on the boat when he's getting brought back of like we're not going to take you back. Um, that, you're now a ward that's such, of the that's state. A, it's so sad, um, but also kind of. I mean, I know that I said the the middle is a little mushy, but that also does drive why all the other scouts take care of him mm-hmm. and why the adventure that happens of them going to the other camp and meeting cousin Ben or is his name cousin Ben? Yeah, cousin Ben. Um like why all that happens but um i also love related to that when they're talking to social social services services. (laughs) and she's like well i hear that he stabbed a boy in the back with lefty scissors and they're like that was the girl that was the girl but like (laughs) that like commitment to being like no 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 uh i wasn't the one every single time she tilda is uh referred to as social services it like is it made me laugh so hard. Like like it's her so, character's name is too. literally social services. <laughs> like she does not have yeah. another character. And like 
the first few times you could be like, yeah, I guess they're just like vaguely talking about social services, like the institution. Yeah. But then when she actually starts to be part of this, the narrative, like when she gets to the island and they keep only calling her social services is yeah. hilarious. <laughs> and she is like never in the 20, in my 27 or in social services, 27 career, 27 year career. Have I ever seen such gross, gross negligence? Like, 27-year career is not the history of social services. Right. <laughs> so, like, even in that moment, she is referring to herself as an individual as social services, which is very funny. I liked that one, but I felt like uh, there were a few other ones where I was like, you're just beating a dead horse. Like, the ones mm. in the helicopter, I was like, we don't need this. You do the ones in the beginning, and then the never in my 27-year career to, mm. like, punch it, but... They didn't land for me, but that's okay. Well, <laughs> you hate social services. Um, uh, she's so good though, and she looks incredible. What a queen! I I love Tilda Swinton. I don't. We should count how many Lucas Hedges and Tilda Swinton movies we've done on this podcast. I don't think we've done a lot of Lucas Hedges. We've yeah. certainly done a lot of. No, we have waves. Okay. Okay. Others? So two. <laughs> so we're at two Shut now. <laughs> I have to look through. We've definitely done a lot of right Tilda, now. though. We sure have. Because she's in everything, because she's excellent, because she's our big. Because she's ethereal. <laughs> yeah, she's our she's our mother. She is serving mother. Um, um, another... She's in Nashville. Just kidding. Uh, another cute has... little uh, bit that I think I either missed or just forgotten. Um, but Edward Norton and, like, the... Um, switchboard operator like just fall in love like just on the far yeah. margins of the movie oh. <laughs> like like they just happen to be sitting next to each other while that like uh the first social services phone call is happening but then throughout the rest of the movie they have these like little moments together and yeah. then at the very end the last time you see edward norton's character he's just got a picture of her on his desk um so like that's i i like I said, I either like Aww. forgot about that or had never noticed it before. But I was like, "Oh, that's a really cute little like through line." That's just like again on the very far margins. But when I noticed it, I was like, "Oh, that's very sweet," because he yeah. seems like such a like just a sweet, innocent little doofus. He's trying his best, <laughs> like Boy Scout leader, to... and it's like, "Oh, it's, yeah. I'm happy for you." <laughs> He's giving back to his community, <laughs> and he's teaching kids math. Uh, one thing that I would like to go on record uh bob balaban's outfits a moment is he your favorite character in this uh probably <laughs> I he knows about weather of course he should be. well and every time i watch this movie i mean his outfit is impeccable he's mm -hmm. perfectly lit in all of it mm -hmm. i think this yeah. is like what i would describe as wes anderson's yellow period in the same way you have picasso's blue period where everything yeah. is just washed yellow and i just don't really love it but he is like so crisp and there's like the contrast between the blue water and the red jacket uh yeah. and he has like such a uh delicious voice the opposite mm -hmm. of mine right now um <laughs> uh and he's like uh it's like a, I, I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, this is such a fun take on a voiceover. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I remember being like, this is so great to the point where he probably is my favorite character in the movie. I, 
And I forgot about those scenes, and then when he came on, I was like, ooh, Bob Balaban. I have a note in my phone that's literally just Balaban with an exclamation point. Like, that's... Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is all I need to say about he this. He just looks he like... Just... I just want to, like, shrink him down and put him in my pocket and carry him around with me. I um, love Bal Balaban so much. He's a In everything, but... Uh, yeah. Fun fact, uh, in The Simpsons, no, he's not. He's Maude Flanders... Role. What is he in? What are you saying? I said he's in Nashville, but he's in a different Altman movie. He's in um, Gosford Park. Oh, Oh, I see. Is Gosford Park a Altman movie? Sure is. I watched that babysitting when I was in eighth grade. That's what I was doing. I wasn't making out with people on the beach. No one. Damn. I think if anyone had seen me, they'd be like, "Yeah, that checks out." Yeah. (laughs) Um, Oh, that's so weird. In The Simpsons, Maude Flanders' uh, biggest crush is Bob Balaban. I mean, I get it. It's a fact, yeah. <laughs> He's, and also, the fact that he, like, exists outside of time and space in this movie is a fun element. That, like, he, he knows what will happen. I was going to say. It has happened. I think, like, the... And he's holding the, a barometer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the framing device for this movie is really fun. Um, the ticking clock of it. Yeah, yeah, like, the, the, his, so, like, to your point, Tierney, like, it's a fun twist on the narrator, which we've had in other Wes Anderson movies before, but, like, this is, like, the, like, a unique version of it, but then also the fact that he tells us, like, this island is famous for the major storm that's going to happen in three days' time. You're like, oh, interesting. Yeah. So, like, and, we clearly know what we're working towards here. And the fact that the, uh performance that sam sees is noah's flood and mm-hmm. then the whole mm-hmm. last third of the movie is all uh, primarily music from benjamin Britten's noah's flood mm-hmm. um piece so i'm like oh, this is like symbolism just scratching my lit major's yeah. brain my lit major's <laughs> brain and the uh sorry i it's also never, fun like never apologize <laughs> i think the other thing that like the incoming storm helps uh amplify too is like what i said before about like we know that they need to not be on this beach mm-hmm. like we know it's not good for them even if we like support their romance we want them to be safe and so like that idea of like they don't even know what they're in for is like a fun like I hope they get. I hope somebody finds them before the storm comes, only for them to endanger themselves again on top of a church, and also in a field, getting struck by lightning once, and then getting struck near lightning a second time. I, I did have a moment when I was like, if these are like khaki scouts, do they not have any sort of weather badge to be like, this is how you know a storm is oh, going? Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Not interested. And not I even guess. the scoutmasters to where I was like, no one looked at the sky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, the lightning strike is a very fun animated sequence. It's very in line with, like, Fantastic Mr. Fox or any of those, like, fast kind of violence moments. Yeah. Of just the lightning strike and then seeing the, like, sideways view of Sam, like, flip. Yeah. And, like, flip off the mountain. Or the little mound. I also like when he gets up and he's his whole face is covered in like 
ash or soot or whatever. And then he takes his glasses off and they come out of the frame and he just blows on them very lightly once. And then he puts them back on and they're perfectly clean. <laughs> Not relatable. As somebody who's worn glasses for 20 years, not relatable. (laughs) The scissors arrow. um, Red card. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's fun, too. Yeah. Fun edits in this, for sure. Um, And a classic Wes Anderson slow motion shot out of the chapel when they're leaving. Mm -hmm. Uh, I only have a couple other things that... I just wrote down, they made me laugh, and I want to mention them. Um, when Sam is like, uh, he he's like, I made you some jewelry. Are your ears pierced? And then it just smash cuts to her just crying. <laughs> <laughs> and, then like, and then when uh, he, like, like finally is done piercing her her first ear, and she stops crying, and she looks at him, and there's just, like, a line of blood going down her neck. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> also, uh, her, like, the paper mache version of Susie that's in her bed. That's my last note. Yeah. <laughs> like, when her little brother just sees it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. And it's so scary. It's it a is terrifying a terrifying image. <laughs> It doesn't look anything like her. It's just so upsetting. Imagine if you were like five, like her little brother. It's just like, all I want is my fucking record player back. And you've just haunted my entire life. And it just shoots up in the bed. (laughs) So violently. Uh, That was my last note. Because I was like, yeah, that machete is so funny. Um, So. Paper machete. Paper mache. The... uh, there's the line where they get to Camp Lebanon um, and they're all kind of like hiding behind that fence. And one of the kids is like, there's a, like he finds a broken gumball machine. And so like, he just like mentions that he finds a broken gumball machine and just like passes out gum. And then in the next scene, every single kid is just going ham <laughs> on gum. <laughs> like, it's just like, and obviously like eventually Jason Schwartzman does draw attention to it. But like, I was just sitting there cackling to myself before he does because all of them are just like overtly just chomping (laughs) oh that's so good um all right so then the only other thing i wanted to mention we've kind of touched a little bit about it but um wes anderson soundtracks this dude fucking fucking gets it Uh uh-huh um I, I know Tierney uh, decided that we were not going to watch and or talk about Fantastic Mr. Fox, but I did tell her that I was like, I'm going to talk about Letter Dance from Fantastic Mr. Fox because I listened to that song for like two hours on repeat the other day. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, I, I feel like there's like every Wes Anderson movie, not every single one, but like there's most of his movies have like one song that like when I hear them, I just I no matter where I am, like when I hear that song, I just think of a moment from a Wes Anderson movie. Um, And this one doesn't necessarily have that because it's like mostly what I think of is the score, like that whole final sequence. And that's not something that I'm just like experiencing out in the wild. But I do think that he's. Sorry to offend you, Tierney. <laughs> um, I think I just, his I, have gotten better with time. I don't like much of his early stuff. Um, 
Once he, what? this is going to be controversial. I don't understand. Yeah. Once he dumped, once he dumped Mark Mothersbaugh and went with uh, Alexander Alexander Desplat, the scores like tripled in quality. Like if I you disagree. think of like, <laughs> if you think of like Grand Budapest Hotel, which is an incredible soundtrack, versus Zizu. If we're gonna what? really say those are in the same league. Well, I think it's, yes. I mean, you're comparing scores to soundtracks, because I feel like he became, like... No, no, Mark Mothersbaugh did the score for Zizou. It's just the inverse of the Royal Tenenbaum score. No, no, I know, but I'm just... Right, but so Alexander Desplat did the score. So, like, the soundtrack... I'm, I, I'm talking more, not necessarily just about the score. Like, I'm thinking, of, like, Letter Dance is not Music. score. Like, that's just a song right. that exists that he put into his movie. That's what I'm talking about. And, and so think I think, like, to me, bow... his earlier movies, I think of them more as soundtracks and less of scores. Like, I think about Nico when I think about yes. Royal Tenenbaums. I think about Making Time from the Creation when I think about Rushmore. I don't necessarily think about any music that's happening, like any scored music that was and... created for those movies. I think about, or for Zissou, I think about all yeah. the David Bowie covers. Like right, the Portuguese, exactly. day, like that's what I think about musically with those movies. I don't really think about the scores for those movies, which okay. I think we don't get a lot of the the sound. We don't get a lot of the soundtrack for Budapest. Even. It's a lot of the score. There, are, there is traditional music in there. I know, but that's less fun than Bowie covers. So that's where it feels like early. Yeah, but you're talking to somebody who loves David Bowie. And so I just listen to that and I want to hear David Bowie. You do get Queen Bitch, though. Yeah. Which is which is my song that I to go back to. Like, I have a song whenever I hear that song. Whenever I hear Queen Bitch, I think of Zissou. I think a lot of it also (laughs) is that a lot of those songs I have separate associations with. So it's kind of like the Licorice Pizza soundtrack, where it's like, mm. I know these tunes anyway, and so I'm like, hell yeah, let's turn it up, um, versus like uh, something new and delightful. It's probably more like an Isle of Dogs. I don't even remember anything from that soundtrack. <laughs> I also don't remember anything from that soundtrack. Um, um, versus like, uh, like there's not as much of an element of surprise. And an example of an element of surprise would be in Star Trek, where he goes, let's put on something classical, and he puts on the Beastie Sabotage. Boys. Sabotage. Which is like, <laughs> yeah, everybody knows the Beastie Boys, but that's not what you're expecting, and so that's a delightful moment. But, um, like, a lot of those, like, the Fantastic Mr. Fox soundtrack, there's just a lot of Beach Boys, which I would have known. And I think I actually knew the Letter Dance song ahead of time. Um, they're just, like, old people music which is what i listen to sure yeah. i describe my music taste as can you imagine someone doing weed in a field listening to it if you can I, it's probably my music sure i should say like a like a doing hippie weed. Doing, doing weed, weed yeah. in a field field um just doing something like would they have played this at a festival in the 1970s odds are i probably like it um, but they are like like a uh, David Bowie is more fun than balalaika music, yes. <laughs> but to conjure the movie, the balalaika music is gonna do it more for me than David Bowie. Sure. 
I think in general, too, I just have an affinity for early Wes Anderson more than late era in in all aspects. Except for Budapest is your favorite. <clears throat> I know, but that one, you know, that one kind of <laughs> That's the exception that proves the rule. <laughs> yeah. Even though I like French Dispatch and I like, I, you know, I love Isle of Dogs. Uh, I think. <laughs> Historically, <stuff>. on record. <laughs> yeah. As we all movie. know. Clearly. I did have um, a note that I thought you guys would get a kick out of, and that's that I thought uh, this would be a good double feature with Tar. Uh, it's a little more classical music than Tar, uh, and just a little less narcissism. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. I just want to see your guys' reaction. Um, it just doesn't make any sense. What? Tar is excellent. Tar is good. Tar is the moment. No. Bob Bellman's outfit outfit is the moment. Well. We don't I do. have Tar to is agree. Mother. I think Tar I is mother and she is serving. I think I can get on board with Bob Balaban's outfit from a movie 10 years ago is the moment of early 2023. <laughs> like, I think I can get it. Like, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> I used to have those duck boots that he has. Uh, well, I had them as a kid. That's what I wore. Those were my winter boots. And then I melted them on a fire pit when you're camping. Um, Sounds about right. Yeah. So then I didn't have them. And then I had them again for a while. And then I didn't have them after that. I don't have them anymore. This is fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping we could go a few more times. And then I found him, but then I lost him. But then I... <laughs> um, um, we are getting two Wes Anderson movies this year, you guys. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. One of them looks interesting, and the other one looks like something I probably very well might not see. Wait, what are they? How a- do I not know? Asteroid with- City and uh, The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar. Yeah, the wonderful story of Henry Sugar looks good, and I think that one's also written with Noah Baumbach, right? Uh, no. It appears that that is just a Wes Anderson exclusive, but it is based on Roald Dahl, so, like, that's why you're you're in. Um, Wait, what are these movies? What are the log lines? Oh, God. I've never heard of these before. Um, Do you know how to Google I actually don't. So, Asteroid City, uh, written by... World-changing events spectacularly disrupt the itinerary of a junior stargazer space cadet convention. Co-written by Wes Anderson and Roman Coppola. So, they're they're running it back after Moonrise Kingdom. And this one's also set in 1955. So, I'm hoping for similar vibes here. We'll see. Your girl Tilda is the top list... Uh, top of the cast list on Wikipedia. Bless so, her. congratulations Bless to her you. Uh, Wonderful World of Henry Sugar. The film is de- oh, it's just based on a short story contained in the collection Wonderful World of Henry Sugar and Six More by Roald Dahl. Hmm. Hmm. Scheduled Both features. Re- yes. Uh, it looks like One's Henry Netflix. Sugar is going to be similar to oh, uh, this French, is- Di- French Dispatch. Film is divided into three chapters. Character of Henry Sugar will serve as the connective thread through each one. This this is why, I mean, part of it was I love Rodal, but then also the cast is Benedict Cumberbund, Rafe Fiennes, Dev Patel, Ben yeah. Kingsley, uh, wow. Rupert Friend, I don't know who he is, but and Richard Ayoade. And so I was like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good cast. Versus the other one, I, I don't even remember who's in it. <laughs> Tell switching apparently, and that's all. 
I, I mean, you don't need <coughs> anything else. Tilda Swinton, Adrian Brody, Tom Hanks, Margot Robbie, Rupert Friend again, uh, Jason Schwartzman, Scarlett Johansson, Brian Cranston, Hope wow. Davis, Holy Jeff shit. Goldblum, Jeffrey Wright, we have Shriver, Tony Revolori, your boy, he's back, Matt, congratulations. Wow. Uh, yeah, Maya like Hawk, Fisher players. Stevens, Ed Norton, Steve Carell, Hong Chow, <gasps> Willem Dafoe, Rita Wilson, you got Tom and Rita? Wow. They're like, we want to work with you, Wes. <laughs> Remember, have you seen that clip of Tom Hanks walking with Rita Wilson and then somebody almost trips Rita Wilson and she goes, oh, oh, and she almost falls. And then Tom goes, hey, back the fuck off. Almost tripping my wife. And everyone's like, we're sorry, Tom. Sorry, Rita. It's like one of the best videos I've ever seen. Is this a real thing? Yes. I watch it on like a loop with my parents. My parents are like, one more time. Let me see this. And I was like, all right. So, like, again, like the Will Smith slap where they investigated it like the Zapruder film. They did the same thing for Tom Hanks being like, hey, back the fuck off. It's incredible. It's a great clip. And you're kind of like, yas, Tom. Stand up for your wife. I have never seen this, and I thought you were just doing the weirdest bit ever. No, truly, it's so funny. Because they're, like, leaving some sort of, like, event. And all these fans are, like, trying to get their autographs and, like, literally walking in front of them to try to like get in their way and then there's a mishap and Rita Wilson almost falls does not fall but almost falls and Tom Hanks snaps it's just like if he had a club he would have knocked somebody out with it <laughs> and then stood over their body and been like what anyway huh. okay. um anyway that's what so we I hope that's in the next Wes Anderson movie it probably will be. I mean, he got both of them back. What? Why else would you get both of them for your movie if you weren't right going to reenact that specific scene that apparently is a thing? <laughs> it's a real thing in real life. Um, should we do categories? Yeah. Yeah. Um, tattoo ideas. Oh, so many. Hit me with lefty what you're scissors. thinking. I mean, yeah, lefty scissors... The- Lefty Scissors, one of the books. Or just like... With the fantasy. Oh, when I was watching the the credits last night, um, they actually credit the, all the different books like as its own like credit mm. page, so you get to see all of them, which is, I thought was really cool. Oh, that's cool. Um, uh, just like maybe labor. like a spot of blood in my back, like mm-hmm. where, where I got stabbed with Lefty Scissors. <clears throat> you could do the Moonrise the... Kingdom written in rocks. Across your mm-hmm. butt. Across your butt. Moonrise, get it? Uh, yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. The um, the treehouse. You can get <laughs> the treehouse yeah. of like the obscene height. <laughs> I also like. There's the line at the beginning where he's like, "Why would you build it up so high? That's so dangerous." And then uh, when they're in it later and they're deciding that they're going to help Sam, and he accidentally knocks like a piece of the treehouse off. And it mm-hmm. like it's it's silent for a little while and then crashes just to like really emphasize how high up they are. <laughs> yeah, very silly. <clears throat> um, you can get them hanging off a steeple that like silhouette. Oh yeah, of them holding each other hand, each other's hands. That's a fun shot. It's a sweet moment. Um, you could do like, yeah, uh, scissors, arrow, red. <laughs> Or just Dear Sam, when? Dear, dear Susie, where? where? 
I'm, I'm For a listener, shoulder. he was. Po- oh, damn. <laughs> I was pointing at my shoulder, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> to describe that. Oh, I was going to say you were pointing at your butt cheeks. Oh, oh, I mean, yeah, maybe that would be better. <laughs> and then when you spread them, then that's where Moonrise Kingdom is. Lol. <laughs> 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 uh, would you guys watch this movie on an airplane? Sure. Yeah. I I, w- I almost did, except it was a different movie, and this one was not available for streaming, so I was not able to t- <laughs> I was not able to download it in time for my plane. <laughs> but you were able to watch it on Criterion. I did. Yeah. I, so it was like I got that Criterion Blu-ray at home. So I do. I I also watched it on Criterion actually. Hell yeah. Do we think that the Isle of Dogs situation is just a one-off or do we think that Criterion's like fully done? Like, do we think that we'll be getting the French Dispatch as a Criterion release? Yeah, I could see French Dispatch as a release. Okay. Because I didn't buy that one. So, I'm like, well, debating whether or not I should bother adding it to the collection or if I should just wait until Criterion forces my hand. You know they want more money. Why wouldn't they make it with Criterion? <laughs> Barely do anything to it. Get a forward by, you know, somebody from the new york times that's just like yeah this is about the newspaper business <laughs> and it's uh, a cutting from the rebellion would you guys uh wa- would you guys spend time on this film set yeah yeah all the settings look fun the houses yeah. the camp as as TV. he is wont to do his the production design of his movies this one in particular i mean all of his but like this one because we're talking about it great Oh, also, this is something that I wanted to remember <coughs> to bring up. I didn't watch all of it, but I, I kind of fast-forwarded through Edward Norton's uh, videos from on set that's part of the Criterion mm. Blu-ray. Um, and it looks like they just had a lot of fun because he was just filming them, like, shooting. And they were just outside, you know, wading in the water. Yeah, that's, that's I don't know how much I'd actually time. be on set versus just hanging out. Yeah. In yeah. the surrounding environs. That seemed like a cool vibe. Yeah. A good vibe. I wonder where they filmed. Mm, good question. Oh, in Rhode Island. Mm. Um, there you go. What's left? Uh, I feel like I always forget something. Oh, what did I email you guys? Yeah, this was fun. I like this one. Uh shoot wrong um mile 3.25 title inlet which is <laughs> which is the moonrise kingdom, kingdom. <laughs> that's where it is that's where it's located um tierney you have a new one that you wanted to add for your your movies was it the favorite music moment something along those lines uh i think so favorite song <laughs> But it was like favorite integration of song with movie, yeah. though, right? Like not just your favorite song from the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, mine is definitely just like all of the score. Like it's the same basic. Sc- is it what? Who's what's the score? Is it the Benjamin Britten at the end? The, like the whole final sequence where they're like trying to get away and then they're. Uh, it's at a combination the and... of Dickla and Benjamin Britten. Oh okay. Um, so mine. My answer would be the Carnival of the Animals, because I love it. That or just the opening with Young Person's Guide to the Orchestra. Um, the girl loves that shit. Yeah. But those would be mine. 
Ooh, I don't know if I remember any off here. It's okay. How dare you? It's classical music, so it could easily sound like a score. What is the song they're dancing to on the beach? Yeah, I was oh, gonna say that Francois one's also Hardy? fun. She's great. Yeah, I thought that was a fun integration. Too, to have, like, yeah, they're having this like groovy little time yeah. and acting like such little adults. Just, like, dancing and having a good time free. Uh, I also like that Susie is, like, mostly dancing to the beat, and Sam is just kind of, like, doing his own thing that's, like, not yeah. really on beat. <laughs> it's like, good for you, kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think those are all of the other car- categories, except for Oscars. Uh, this movie was only nominated for one. Score. Best original? Uh, not Score. Original screenplay. That's original screenplay. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, fun note, uh, this movie uh, was part of Cannes, and it was in competition. It did not win the Palme d'Or, but it won the Palme de Whiskers because of the little cat, <laughs> which I thought was really cute. That's very cute. Um... Yeah, it was it was only nominated for that one. Wow. Bummer. Who won? Win. Oh god damn it. I knew you were gonna ask and I forgot to look it up. Come on. Oh, Django. Django, Django. Unchained. That was a weird yeah. year. Best original that screenplay was... that year was Django, Amour, Flight, Moonrise Kingdom, and Zero Dark oh. Thirty. <laughs> What a, wow. What a, what a, what a wild year. bunch. That was the year that Argo won. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Truly a weird year. Yeah, bizarre shit. Anyway. I do think, like, uh, production design. What was going on there? Let's see. Pretty good production design in this movie. Lincoln, Anna Karenina, The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. Fuck off. Uh, Les Mis and Life of Pi. I feel like this could have gotten in there somewhere. (laughs) The Hobbit is better than the first two. Actually, Anna Karenina, no, but it's better than Lincoln. Lincoln was just like dark old shit. Yeah. I feel like there was no scene that was properly lit. Sure. It's just like dusty wood. Yeah. It's on an, it shot in actual offices in DC in 2012, but it's still set in 1965. (laughs) This is actually a functioning office right now for uh, several Congress people. Also like life of Pi was mostly just on a boat. (laughs) And a lot of it was digital. Yeah. Yeah, But that's who ended up winning for that. Lincoln. What the fuck? <laughs> Dude, that was movie was so, so boring. Old. Wow, I haven't seen it. Don't uh, bother. I only went because it's Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> I have a soft spot you're for like, him. Let me see if I'm a, yeah, you're like, let me see if I get a track. And I was like, he he's in. ugly in that movie. He's honestly, oh my God. On a scale of zero to ten, probably about a one. Meanwhile, Bill the Butcher somehow all the way up near 10 wow. in comparison, in comparison i do not know what to do with, with what just happened you're telling me you don't think abraham lincoln is hot as fuck i'm just saying if you were to put them on a scale of one to ten the horridness dusty 
likeness of Abraham Lincoln. It's like a magnet when you try and put two similar poles to each other. Sure. It just repels. And so Bill the Butcher ends up so far away. And then, like, is at the other end. So you'd rather, you'd rather see Bill the Butcher's meat than Lincoln's log? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> Would you not? No, I think that's fair. I think that's probably accurate. For the record, um, it's not my favorite Daniel Day-Lewis role. Uh, right. But just if we're going to compare 1800s Daniel Day-Lewis role from the same oh, sure. time period. Okay. Would you want to I would take a sweaty, one-eyed, <laughs> evil person over a dusty cricket. <laughs> <laughs> would you want a crossover movie where Lincoln is like, well, hello. I'm the president of this here United States, and what's your name? And then it's Bill the Butcher, and he's like, Why? I'm Bill the Butcher. Or whatever his voice is in that movie. And then he starts talking about being no. an oil salesman. Yeah, and they yeah. mine together. Yeah. So many or better something. ones. Uh, so I don't know, I, I don't know what the rules are. Um, I know that like sometimes the Academy will say a certain film is not eligible for best original score because they didn't use enough mm. original music. Oh. Uh. So I don't know if that's why it wasn't nominated, but the nominees that year were Anna Karenina, Argo, Lincoln, Life of Pi, and Skyfall. Fucking, uh, Skyfall, Skyfall, hopefully. Skyfall's a great one. What? Uh, is it Lincoln Life, again? Life Argo? of Pi. <laughs> Okay, fine. Uh, I enjoyed that movie. Uh, I thought our, Arlie did a great job. Our boy Alexandre Desplat. I don't know how to say his it's name. Black. So um, he what he was the guy who did the score for Argo. So he still got nominated this year, even though not for the movie that I preferred. I like him. <laughs> I saw an interview with him that he always wanted to be a composer, and then but he always liked movies, and so then he decided to be a film composer. Hmm. That was sweet. Yeah, and now we get to benefit from it because yeah. we'll actually hear it. Yeah, I'm rarely, if ever, disappointed by one of his scores. Well, that's it. There I you guess, go. Is what it is. I think those are all the categories. I think that's it. We did it. Moonrise Kingdom, baby. We moonrised and we kingdomed. Um, what have you guys been up to since we last chatted? I can go. So okay. I, w- I watched Fantastic Mr. Fox <laughs> because I thought I was going to watch it for this. Uh, I watched Killing of a Sacred Deer uh, for yeah. Friend of the Pod, Jim's podcast, which he calls mm. a podcast. Um, and it was What's fun that? to Weird. return to an early Barry role now that he's finally got an Oscar nommed. Just won a bathtub. Spaghetti Barry. Yeah. Spaghetti Barry. Berries. I think that was the third movie I saw him in. Um, but I th- honestly think he should have been nominated for that role. It's, he's, he's so, so upsetting good. in that movie, in like a, he, in a good way. But he's just like so upsetting in that movie. <laughs> so good. Uh, I also do more research for t- that guest. I'm a guest on Jim's podcast, and I did more research for that than I do my own. Yeah. Oh, same. When I did Mask of the Phantasm, I was like, oh wow, you actually like have have a structure and notes. Yeah, I should participate in that. <laughs> And with this one, I'm always like, what What did I do? What did I write down? What's and like the, the things I started to note were all like the types of things I'd note for this 
one, and then I had to be like, oh, wait, I have to, like, let me read the Wikipedia before I watch this. Yeah. Um, Just you being, like, goofy voice. Exactly. Why did they do that? (laughs) Why stilted Um, language? (laughs) uh, I read Banshees of Inisherin because I got a for my bae, Martin McDonough. Um, oh. And then I have them separated into movie movies, words, and telly. So here we have all of... I've mm. watched a lot more shows than movies. So I watched a couple reruns of Ted Lasso because sometimes you have a bad day and you just got to hear Danny Rojas song, sing Football's Life. Um, <laughs> did you guys know that Ted Lasso season three is already sure almost here? Did. Like, yeah. Like wow. less than a like month away. Weeks. <laughs> yeah, like, I can't wait to listen to Mumford and Sons again. Uh, by forever. It's my favorite part of that show. Um, I watched The Last of Us, the first two episodes. Hell yeah. Hell uh, yeah. within ten minutes, as you guys know, I was on the edge of my seat shouting at the television, <clears throat> which is just phenomenal writing. Um, and then I had to do some palate cleansing after so that I could sleep. Uh, so then I've also been watching, um, some, some episodes of Veep season two, which never gets old. Nice. Nice. Uh, watched the premiere of Loot with Maya Rudolph and thought that was really fun. Oh, um, I watched that on a plane. That was great. Yeah, but I don't have Apple TV Plus, so it's like, gotta get it when I can. Um, yeah. And then I started watching Narcos. Um, hmm. Because... Chris Ryan would be so proud of Pedro. you. <laughs> because of Pedro. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, But no, it's good, and... Um, I like I was pretty resistant to a long for to it for a long time because I felt like it was like so many drug television shows that the U.S. makes, uh, but it actually is like doing a fairly historically accurate rendering of U.S. involvement in Latin America and how we just continuously yeah. fuck people over by mm-hmm, propping sure. up certain regimes and. Mm-hmm. Uh, documenting just the insatiable appetite for drugs that the U.S. has. Um, And so that part is like, oh, this is a lot more interesting than I thought it was going to be. And uh, it's also very well made. And uh, the guy who plays Pablo Escobar, very compelling. Nice. That's it. That's it. That is it. Anyway, that's Um, all that, that I've been up to. Nice. Do you want- that actually does remind me of oh. Breaking Bad because we just saw, there was a scene where uh, Walt is like, "What are you reading there?" And uh, Walt Junior is like, "Oh, it's a book about the CIA agents who brought down Pablo Escobar." Um, and he's like, "Uncle Hank said that it's like this is the story that people should know because it's about the guys who actually stopped him." And then Chris was like. Oh, I wonder if Narcos was like, that's the show. That's what the show we're going to do. No spoilers, though, because I actually don't fully remember what happened. So, Well, I've never seen any Narcos, but I just know it's about Pablo Escobar. Yeah, but if you know the story of Pablo Escobar, I currently have forgotten, and so don't spoil it for me. Don't spoil a 40-year-old story. Yeah, uh, not a story, a real <laughs> a event, real life, yeah, historical yeah. moment. A, a but also, story. don't spoil history, you fucker. But it's ri- yeah. it's written in a way where you like. I mean, he gets some punches thrown at him, and you really feel bad for him. Which is mm. like, I mean, I know that's like everyone talked about Breaking Bad, but like, 
I think that he's a lot more empathetic of a character than Walter is because he actually is like trying to do I mean he just gives away money to the to the poor but he like mm-hmm. he ran for office and uh, won without like rigging it and then was like outed and it's like a really sad scene <laughs> I don't like the uh, I called him a generic Ryan Gosling the uh, like gringo DEA agent I find him a little bit annoying but he like narrates the show I'm sure he gets better but right now I'm like oh you're such a tryhard <laughs> and you are trying to be Ryan Gosling and you're not you're yeah. just not give us more Pena it's the Pedro Pascal <laughs> character <laughs> Tierney, have you always, like, I feel like this, uh, like, you being on, like, you being part of the Pedro Hive is, like, fairly new. Is Has it been around for a while and I'm just not used to it, or? I've kept it, is, uh, well, two things. One, him and Oscar Isaac I've always liked, which is why I find it so baffling that Matt hates when people say that Oscar Isaac is his babe, because I would listen, love to have that association. Matt, Matt recently changed his tune. Uh, yeah, this is important for the pod. This is important information. Accepted. Friend of, we were having a conversation, friend of the pod, Joel, and Matt and I were having a conversation, and Matt finally accepted what we all know to be true, and have known to be true for years. That Oscar, Oscar Isaac, Isaac is indeed Matt's Bay, a Bay, not one of the top <laughs> ones, but certainly has earned enough of a spot. Has really worked for it. Has been in the Star Wars. Is cast a. He's solid been in snake. a Star War. He's been in many Star Wars. Here's ten dollars. Um, go see a Star War. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. <clears throat> to answer your question, I mean, I knew him in Game of Thrones, but he was like only on it briefly. That it was really Wonder Woman 1984 when he plays like you... a lunatic. I was like, "Hello, <laughs> and are you kidding me?" No, it was, it was actually it was the promos for Wonder Woman 1984 when he's like in yeah. interviews and stuff. That I was like, "This guy is very attractive," and I had like completely forgotten about Game of Thrones. Um, and then I watched the movie and I was like, "Okay, not so much in the movie, but also still okay in the movie." Uh, and then I just, no one talks about him, but then on TikTok with The Last of Us, it is a flurry with Pedro Pascal, like, montages, which is, like, you gotta love teenage girls for putting together just the <laughs> sexiest montages of celebrities, uh, to where, like, every, at least one every ten videos on my For You page is just him and, uh, my sister, Lila, who's... How old is she? She's 19. Also in love with him. So she, art, and I was like, oh, what did it for you? And she said she watched Narcos and is now going back and watching Lord of the Rings Game of Thrones because he's in it. <laughs> <laughs> and The Last of Us. And I was like, oh, is Narcos good? And she's like, yeah. So then I started watching it. <laughs> um, and so we'll just send each other videos. Uh, so now, now I have an outlet. Now that I know that other people... <laughs> Oh my god, my chair just went down. Now that I know that other people know A, who he is, and B, I feel like I have a, a army behind me. Yeah. He's also in the second Kingsman. <clears throat> oh yeah! Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. 
Mostly because I Listen, didn't like that movie. Here's the thing I'm going to say about Pedro Pascal. Uh-oh. I think he's been overhyped. But I'm really coming around on him on The Last of Us because I do genuinely think he's performing both well, like an uh, like the acting is good, and also he's like nailing Joel as a character yeah. from the games. Like the voice is dead on. For a character that's voiced by a very famous video game voiceover actor, like it's it's impressive how much he's able to replicate that and really bring a lot of uh, gravitas to his character. So okay, so you're looking at like his acting performance and all that stuff. No, I know, and I'm not that attracted <laughs> to him generally. I know everyone says he's daddy and that he's leaving no crumbs, uh, but he's eating it up and leaving. It's a state of mind. <laughs> this, have you seen but did you see that snl sketch this is all what, mostly what i'm getting to is did you see that snl sketch from when he hosted recently which one where it's hit he's like a, a teacher at a high school oh my and gosh. they like, call an assembly and he's like this sounds uh, triggering to, <laughs> oh you gotta watch <laughs> it he's logging off right now because she's got, she's <laughs> you, gotta have we some should watch time it after this recording <laughs> <laughs> we should watch it when, it's, when we're done with this because he's like uh, i'm here to ask for all of you to stop doing thirst trap montages and posting them on tiktok if it's inappropriate as students and then they show these montages that the students are putting together of him as a teacher being hot it's very funny you should watch it uh, and you and then should watch like using all Marcos? Oh, i was just gonna say you should watch the um he does i think it's like a vanity fair interview with oscar isaac and it's like mm-hmm. <laughs> my head just explodes um but I, he also, like, eats it up, which I think makes it so much fun. Yeah. He seems like a very sweet guy, and so I am coming around on him. But the hype, like, him being the Mandalorian, I was always kind of like, okay, I guess. Why him? And now I'm kind of like, all right, fine. Whatever. He seems <laughs> sweet. He seems like a good guy. Yeah, it was just, the, the reason I asked is because, as we may or may not have mentioned, Tierney took a TikTok break in uh january so my personal tiktok consumption went way down because i was not getting (laughs) i was not getting specific uh posts sent directly to me but now that now that we're back i would say you know at least one you know she'll she'll go in spurts well she'll like do like three or four at a time I would say at least one of every single like blast that I get from Tierney is Pedro Pascal related. <laughs> yeah. And it's mostly I'm not just because I find it, them to be funny. Fair. <laughs> like, I'm not mad about it. It's just like it seemed to come out of nowhere. <laughs> I did not know that you had this love, and then here we are. <laughs> That's because I wasn't having 14 year olds make little <laughs> fan videos for me. Yeah, it's it's the Z's fault. If you ever have a celebrity crush that is also a celebrity crush of teenagers, the internet is your oyster. (laughs) Oh, I had a brief moment of that when uh, Obi-Wan was coming out, and suddenly, for the first time in like 15 years, Hayden Christensen was getting posted, and I was like, oh shit, I forgot that this is part of it. Uh, and just everyone being like, oh my god, he's <clears throat> so sweet. Oh, look how sexy he looks. Oh, Vader. And I was like, I'm here for this. This is what I've been waiting for. <laughs> so now it just needs to happen with Christopher Abbott, and I'll be complete. 
It's only a matter of time. It already happens I'm... with that guy who I keep confusing with Chris Aaron Taylor Johnson. <laughs> they don't even look alike. But yes, he is having a moment right now, too. I sent Matt like three videos being like, it's your guy. And Matt was like, and I was no, like... it's not. I'm fine with him. I thought Aaron Taylor Johnson was your... Oh, it's just you I wanted... think he's hot. Yeah, and okay. I... I was very excited to find out that his wife made him do full frontal scenes in the movie they did together where I was like, all right, you've given all of us a gift. (laughs) Mrs. Johnson, Mrs. Taylor Johnson. I just remember when we went and saw Nocturnal Animals, you were so pissed that we were like, (laughs) we were so close. And there was a, well, we we were so close. There was like a shot that was like right there, but we just did not get to see that hog and you were so pissed about it. Tom Ford said there's an alternate cut where you do. Mm. And he said it was too distracting, so they had to change the <laughs> angle. And I was like, what the fuck, Tom Ford? Are you kidding me? Has anyone it's ever like said- nailing away the Ark of the Covenant in the middle of a warehouse. <laughs> and then his wife was like, we're going to pry open that box and we're going to reveal this Ark of the Covenant to the whole world. <laughs> and all of our faces are just going to fucking Truly melt. melt right off. <laughs> You chose wisely. Yeah, also, this is this is to say I have not actually seen a million little pieces, but I have seen select scenes from a million little pieces. Is it based on the book? Yeah, it is. Which is also why it's like you're making a movie about this book. Yeah, There's a lot of controversy behind this book. Um, he kind of looks like Shia LaBeouf. Uh, yeah, they've got similar elements. I can see that. Christopher Abbott. Mm. <laughs> Matt yeah, just doesn't okay. want the association. No. But I think they're both bearded and have like long <clears throat> curly dark hair, so I can see it. It's the um, eyes anyway. personally, but okay. It's the eyes. Alright, so Matt, what have you go. Yeah, what have you been up to lately, Matt? I'm gonna try to remember. Uh we still have been watching Breaking Bad, watched a little more kunk on Britain. Nice. Um we uh i watched the movie triangle of sadness uh and i genuinely enjoyed it i thought it was pretty funny i think there's certainly elements that are like aggressive to the audience but i think it's i I had fun i thought it was funny um i swore ant-man quantumania and i had fun uh i kept checking with myself while i was watching it like am i enjoying this and i kept going yeah uh, so, you know, I can, it's one of those movies I said, like, Cloud Atlas, where watching it, I'm like, I understand why people would not enjoy this. Like, I understand why this would rub people in an annoying way, but it worked, I, I thought I, it was fun, um, and pretty funny, uh, and Jonathan Majors, his bae, Jonathan Majors should be in everything, and it kind of seems like he's going to be. I mean, we're literally getting a new Jonathan Majors movie in a week and a half. I know, (laughs) I know. I know he's really having a moment, and I'm really happy about it. But I'm also like, we have to remember to give him the the smaller roles too. We, we have to remember the last black man in San Francisco. Truly, that's his <laughs> best work. Uh, but he's so good; he really is good in this too. Um, and uh, I'm seeing Magic Mike: The Last Dance tonight. Is that the name of the movie? Magic Mike's Last Dance, bitch. Show some respect. <sighs> 
Whatever. Um, I will not be seeing the new Fast and the Furious movie. I'm just going to set that up now, even though I don't. It's not coming out for. I don't even know how long. Yeah, it's like but we, I'm not going to see. We've it. got three. I don't care. Before that's a problem. I don't care. Um, <laughs> and did I watch? I'm trying to. Think I will say they else. tickets went on sale for Fast X, uh, mm-hmm. and I realized that I will be uh, Fast X. Yep. Um, I will be out of town. Uh, the weekend that movie comes out for a client meeting. But the good news is there is a movie theater very close to the hotel I will be staying at. So I did get yes. tickets for opening night. <laughs> so. uh, whatever. What if your flight gets canceled? I just said canceled? bless, but I take it back. What? What if your flight gets canceled and you don't end up going? Then you just cancel the ticket. Yeah, then I just yeah, don't go to Then ticket. you can't get a new ticket. Yeah, you can. No, because it'll be sold out. Well... Well, then I'll just That's go see it point. some other time. Yeah. I'm not that concerned about it, though. Like, okay. I I think I'll be fine. <laughs> um, wait, did I watch something else? Did I talk about seeing uh, Infinity Pool the yeah. last time we Yeah, recorded? we talked about it. Okay. Did, did I talk about seeing Irre- uh, Irreversible? Mm, I don't think so. Okay, I don't think so. Uh, so Irreversible is a notoriously brutal movie, uh, and it really is fucked up. Uh, Monica Bellucci and Vince Cassell from like two thousand, mm. no, yeah, two thousand two, I think. It's a Gaspar No movie, so that's an, that's all you need oh, to know. Kind I'm, of going up, yeah, yeah. Nope. It is rough. <laughs> uh, it is very hard to watch, and I saw the straight cut, which is told not in reverse order like the actual theatrical version is oh yeah but cut in uh, chronological order and the experience is different um in what is revealed when and what the motivations are for some of the actions which you don't know if you watch it in reverse um but it was a hard watch i would not recommend it uh, it's, it's, it's hard to watch but it's like a solidly crafted movie but an incredibly uh mean-spirited and brutal movie um so yeah wouldn't necessarily recommend but you know it is a gaspar no movie so you kind of know that going in but monica bellucci and vince excel were great um i think that's all i watched that's I, it I um i can go quick because i haven't done too much uh i watched causeway um which is uh Oh, yeah. Apple TV Plus film with Jennifer Lawrence and Brian Tyree Henry. Um, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, Brian Tyree Henry continues to be fantastic. Uh, yeah. Continue to put him in shit, and uh, I will keep watching it. Um, I don't think he's going to win an Oscar. I don't necessarily think he should. Like, he was really good in this performance, but I don't necessarily think he should. But I hope that he does win one someday, because he's really fucking good. Um, I also watched Navalny. Um, which is the documentary about Alexei Navalny. Um, and I thought it was a really good documentary. Um, and I was like only vaguely familiar with the details of the, like of the story. Um, so it was interesting to watch, uh, the actual situation play out. Um, I double featured Navalny with, uh, somebody I used to know, which is the new Alison Brie rom-drom that's on uh, Amazon Prime. Okay. Uh, she wrote it with Dave Franco during COVID, and then he oh, directed man. it. Um, and it's like a love triangle-ish uh, between Allison Brie and Jay Ellis from Insecure. Mm. 
and uh, Kiersey Clemens, I think her, their name is. Um, okay. uh, but anyway, it was, I there were parts of it I liked. It didn't like fully work for me, but I did enjoy some of it. But it was uh, set in partially and at least partially filmed in Leavenworth, Washington, which, uh, oh. as we all know, I fucking love. So <laughs> those sequences were very fun to watch. Um, and, you know, Alison Brie and Jay Ellis, two very attractive people. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, truly. Um, and then I, uh, I don't, I can't remember. I definitely didn't mention, I watched all of Chernobyl. Um, and it's mm-hmm. so fucking good. Um, I, ha- I had been watching it when we last recorded it, but I didn't mention it because I wanted to wait until I had seen the whole thing. And I finally watched it. And yeah, not spoilers, but just like, you know, timely take here. Uh, It's a really fucking good show. (laughs) Given the toxic waste bill in Ohio? Yeah. Appropriate. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I just meant my take of a show that everybody who saw it four years ago when it first aired and agreed that it was a phenomenal show. Me coming out now in 2023 being like, hey, this show, real fucking good. Uh, (laughs) hit you with that um but yeah I, I thought it was very good i thought the finale was like it was all very good but i thought the finale was like pretty incredible um so if you've not watched chernobyl chernobyl, chernobyl uh strong recommend to watch that um and then the only other thing i feel like i need to mention is that uh i finally started watching the bad sisters <gasps> yes. <laughs> and I, uh, I'm only one episode in. Uh, I was planning on watching more this weekend, and I just didn't get around to it. But uh, I did enjoy the first episode. I will obviously keep watching it. But uh, I meant to save this surprise. So Tierney was aware. She did kind of react I'd as forgotten. if she were. But oh, I forgot okay. until well. you just mentioned it. Cool. Well, that works out great for me because my intention was to not tell her that I was watching it and just surprise her on the pod. But then the fucking prick comes out on uh, Christmas Day wearing a collared shirt with the tie around the collar, not in the collar. And I was like, this fucking asshole needs to be needs to be taken care of. Uh, So I had to text Tierney. let her know that I was on board with the hatred of the prince. So. It is incredible <laughs> how much you want him to die. <laughs> it only gets worse. Yeah, I was, because, like, when you first meet him in the show, I was like, yeah, I mean, he's just an asshole, but, like, he's not the worst person I've ever encountered, IRL or in, you know, media. But, yeah, then I saw him wear that outfit, and I was like, oh, no, this this motherfucker's gotta go. Um, so, so yeah, uh, we'll keep you posted on the bad sisters front, but I am, I, it's, I'm enjoying it so far. Congratulations to you, Tierney. You've got one more. (laughs) Maybe Matt will watch it someday, but let's not hold our breath. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I do, I'll let you know when I'm finished. (laughs) 